What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our online Sunday morning Water's Edge worship experience. Once again, thank you so very much for hanging out with us today and tuning in. For those of you that continue to like and share these online worship experiences with your circle of influence, thank you so very much for doing that. Continue to do that. Also, for those of you that continue to worship with us through giving and generosity online, maybe by meeting our new $10 challenge, thank you so very much for doing that. Continue to do that. You are allowing our church, the church that you're a part of, to love more people, help more people, feed more people, and serve more people. You allow us to be the visible hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Christ to our city and our community and the hurting our community. So thank you so very much for doing that. Today, we begin a, a new and a very helpful and practical series entitled One More Day. And I got to be honest with you, the subject that we're talking about in this new study is very, very personal for me. But also, I got to be honest with you, talking about this subject, this topic, this battle in church is very unfamiliar for me. In a setting like this is very unfamiliar for me. And let me tell you why. Because historically, the Christian church has added to this struggle. They have made this problem worse. They've made this battle worse. We have made this struggle worse instead of being logical and helpful about this issue and about this struggle. And so as we approach this very specific struggle today, I want us to approach it in a helpful way, in a practical way, in a spiritual way way that doesn't add to the problem, but it helps the problem. It helps all of us, and many of us deal with this. It helps us get closer to Christ and find peace of mind and overwhelm and overcome this battle, this battle that many times is so overwhelming. And so in light of all that, this is what we're going to focus on in this series, and notice this today and remember this. How can I deal with my, my own mental battles or someone who is close to me that deals with a mental battle in a way that's practical and spiritual? Sometimes I have mental battles that just don't leave me alone or maybe I have people in my life and they're deeply struggling with a mental illness or a mental battle. How can I deal with mine or how can I help them with theirs in a way that's spiritual and practical? When I was a little boy, I guess around seven or eight years old growing up, I used to love to spend time at my grandma's house and I remember one day my grandma came to pick me up after school. My mom was busy running errands after work. She couldn't pick me up and so sometimes she would send her mom my grandma Scott to come pick me up after school. We would go back to uh, her house, my grandpa, my grandma's house. They had a big flea market there in Moss Bluff and I would eat cheese and crackers and drink Coca-Cola out the cold bottle and watch movies with my grandma. I absolutely loved it. And also, my mom had a sister, my Aunt Judy, and I had cousins. And one of my cousins, Chad, was my same age. And me and Chad growing up were closer than brothers. We were best friends, cousins that were the same age. But they lived in Houston, and we lived in Lake Charles. And so we didn't get to see each other often. But every summer, I would go spend a few weeks in Houston with them, and he would come spend a few weeks with me. Every holiday, they would come down to Moss Bluff and stay with my grandma. We would see each other every contraband days. Anytime someone had an event, they would always come down and when they would I would go stay at my grandma's house I would spend the night and I would hang out with him and my grandma and I would just spend time with my cousin who was my best friend and I remember that every time he would leave and go back to Houston after spending time down here or any time I would leave Houston and come back home after spending time up there I would go through like three or four days of just this deep sadness just feeling lonely missing Chad missing my cousin missing my best friend and I would just have this sadness but it would go away and I remember on this certain day after my grandma picked me up from school we went to her house and I went into the back room when my cousin Chad would stay we would always go to that back room and play 
play. We would watch movies. We would listen to music. We would watch TV. We would spend the night in that room. We had just had a lot of fun. And I went to that back room just to watch TV, just to hang out. And when I went to that back room, my cousins, my aunt and uncles had just left. They had just been down visiting and I deeply missed him. And I saw a cassette tape that he had left behind of a band that he loved that we both liked to listen to, and it was a cassette tape of the Scorpions. Yes, growing up, I was a headbanger. <laughs> yes, I had hair, but it was the Scorpions. And I remember that I went outside, I grabbed a boom box that my grandma and grandpa had in their flea market. My grandpa was always fixing up old swing sets and bicycles and motorcycles for us kids to have fun there. We always had a blast at my grandma's house and my grandpa's house. So I had great memories, but on this day, I see that cassette tape that my cousin Chad left behind. I'm missing him. I'm thinking about the good times that we just had at my grandma and grandpa's house. I go outside, I plug that Scorpions tape into the boom box, and I start listening to that rock and roll music. And when I did, this deep sense of despair came over me. This deep sense of loneliness and sadness and this deep sense of just hurting, just aching on the inside of my soul came over me because I was remembering the good times that I just had with my cousin and I was deeply, deeply, deeply missing him. But it wasn't about the music. It, was a, it wasn't a sad song. It was a Scorpions for Pete's sake. It was just something going on inside of me that jumped on me in that moment. It was a feeling. I wasn't thinking about anything. I didn't do anything to create it. It just surrounded me in that moment, and it was very, very heavy. It felt lonely. It felt hopeless. It felt sad. And I felt like I had this ache in my soul. And to be honest with you, sometimes I still deal with that. Sometimes I deal with that quite often. And I know what some of you are thinking, Tony, if I had to listen to Scorpions music, I'd be sad too. But it had nothing to do with the music. It had to do with this feeling just surrounding me, this feeling of oppression, sadness, hopelessness, loneliness. I could feel that heavy ache inside of me. And of course, that always produces fear and anxiety and difficult thoughts. And sometimes I still deal with that. And for the longest time, I would try to deal with it spiritually. Sometimes nothing would happen and these feelings would just surround me. Sometimes I'd just be watching TV. Sometimes just driving down the road. Sometimes I'd be at work. Sometimes nothing bad was going on at all and these feelings would just surround me and overwhelm me. And growing up, I would try to deal with this spiritually. I would hear sermons about how depression and anxiety and fear and panic attacks and anxiety disorders and all those types of things was the result of a weak faith and not being close to Jesus. You get right with God, get closer to Jesus, develop a strong faith, and you won't deal with those things. And so that's what I tried to do, man. I tried to get as close to God as possible. I tried to make sure that my faith was as strong as possible, but I still dealt with those moments when depression would jump on my back and anxiety would jump on my back and hopelessness would jump on my back and loneliness would jump on my back out of nowhere. Just this feeling would surround me and produce this hurt and this ache in my soul. And I got to be honest with you, I never have and I never do still use it for attention or for a crutch as an excuse, but I still do deal with it. I deal with it as a dad. I deal with it as a disciple. I deal with it as a husband. I deal with it as a son. I deal with it as a brother. I deal with it as a friend. I deal with it as a pastor. And I deal with it as someone who deeply loves Jesus. I deal with it. In fact, people ask me all the time, Tony, as a pastor, how do you deal with these moments of depression?
depression and sadness when you're struggling mentally and it just jumps on your back and you didn't do anything to cause it and there's nothing else going on in your life to cause it. How do you deal with it? And I usually just say this and notice this today. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. I just deal with it. Sometimes I just deal with it through faith. I deal with it through prayer. I deal with it through medication. I deal with it through trying to create healthy habits and healthy patterns. I deal with it through setting boundaries with difficult people or triggers in my life. I deal with it through optimism and healthy friendships and extreme mental focus. But I always deal with it. And I also deal with it in a few other ways. Now, one of my favorite libraries to read in the Bible is in the Old Testament book of Psalms. When you read through the book of Psalms, it's written like a very personal prayer journal of a very broken and messed up person. At one moment, the psalmist says, God, we love you, we praise you. And the very next moment, in the very next chapter, the psalmist may say, but you've left us out in the desert to rot and you've abandoned us. It's this very real recorded prayers of really broken, messed up, hurting people writing down their very honest prayers to God. And we have that recorded in the Bible as the book of Psalms. It's like a very personal prayer journal of a very broken and confused person. I encourage you to read it one day because it is very real life. It's very raw. It's very honest. And it's very practical. And so I want us to pick up today in Psalms chapter 42 verses 4 through 11. I want you to notice what King David says. And this is a man after God's own heart. Notice the prayer. Notice the petitions. Notice the direct talks to God about what's going on in his soul. My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you, even from the distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the tumult uh, or the confusing noise of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. O God, my rock, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones, they scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? But I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Notice something. David is writing this very personal, interactive prayer with God as he's running for his life from King Saul. Saul wants him dead. And after David pins this, the sons of Korah put it into a song. And we're certainly not going to find this song on a Scorpions cassette or a Scorpions album. This is a ballad for sure. But notice the ups and downs that King David is going through, a man after God's own heart. In verse 4, he says that his heart breaks because he remembers how how it used to be. And sometimes that's why all of our hearts break because we remember how it used to be. We remember how our faith used to be. We remember how our prayer life used to be. We remember how our worship life used to be. We remember how our love used to be. We remember how our family used to be. We remember how that relationship and how those happy times and how my health and my strength used to be. And then he starts to ask himself questions. Why am I so discouraged? Why am I so sad? Why am I so heartbroken? 
question. Have you ever asked yourself those questions because you just don't know why? Why am I so sad because I don't know why? Why I feel so lonely and hopeless and in anguish? I just don't know why. That's the battle. That's the struggle that we deal with mentally. Sometimes we get so low, something jumps on our back and we just can't explain why. And we just don't know why. But then at the end of verse 5, he perks up and praises God. But then the next verse, verse 6, he says that he's back down into discouragement. And then in the next few verses, he's back up again, praising God, thanking God, being optimistic for God's pouring his unfailing love onto him. But then in verse 9, he says, God, you're my rock, but why have you forgotten me? I'm in grief. I'm discouraged, I'm in deep sadness, so he's back down again, but then he ends this prayer by praising God and trusting God. Now, let's ask this question. As David, a godly man, after God's own heart, is genuinely dealing with fear and panic and grief and sadness and despair and anxiety and the weakness of his faith... What is he trying to do in this passage? Well, this is what I've observed because many times I try to do the same thing in my heart, in my soul, and in my mind. And this is what it is. And notice this today. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. He was evaluating his harmful thoughts and he was reminding himself of the truth. Harmful thoughts. God has forgotten me. That's not true. I'm too sad to function. That's not true. I'm all alone. I'm discouraged. Harmful thoughts, that's not true, but then had to remind himself of the truth. God has unfailing love for me. God is my rock. God is my hope. God is my savior. God is my new life. God is my salvation. And so hold on, keep going one more day. Now, concerning these mental struggles like sadness and depression and anxiety and panic and on and on, I'm not talking about the feelings that you feel when you go through a breakup or go through a separation or you have these, these very heartbreaking circumstances that happen or you get bad news or maybe you get a bad report from the doctor. All these feelings that we have after those types of events and circumstances is very normal. But what I'm talking about is when it just jumps on your back and you can feel it physically and you can feel it spiritually and you can feel it mentally and you can feel it emotionally and you don't really know why. You just don't know why and it tries to somehow control the way you react and it controls the way you make choices and the way you relate to others and the way you problem solve and the way you control your impulses and on and on. And so here's three things that I do that helps me when I have some deep mental struggles and I just don't know why when I'm dealing with some mental battles and some mental illness in my life and I just don't know why I didn't do anything to cause it but it just jumped on my back out of nowhere. What do I do when this happens when I just try to deal with it? What's some other things I can do that can help? The first thing I do is this. If you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you. I embrace it. You can't work through something if you're in denial over it. I remember several years ago at the first church I pastored when this couple came over one day just to talk with me and hang out and have coffee. And the wife asked me something. She goes, Pastor Tony, when I stood up in front of the church and I shared with them about my mental struggles and my mental illness and my mental battles and everything that I had to do to management, she goes, do you think I was weak for doing that? I said, no, not at all. I think you were strong for doing that. And then she looked at me and she asked me this question. She goes, well, 
why are you so hesitant then to talk about yours? If you would talk about yours as the pastor, then maybe more people would feel comfortable dealing with theirs. So why are you so afraid to talk about it? And that's when it hit me. You can't manage something if you're in denial over it. And so sometimes you just have to embrace it. This is something that I deal with and I'm going to overcome it as I walk with God. The second thing is this, I question it. Anytime I start to feel like I'm being driven and controlled and influenced and being moved emotionally and mentally by these heavy thoughts and heavy feelings, I always question it. And this is the question that I always ask about these thoughts sometimes that make me feel so sad and so hopeless and I don't know why are these thoughts that lead me into fear or anxiety and uncertainty and I don't know why or even panic and I don't know why I always ask this question and notice this today if you're still with me say I'm still with you is this irrational impulsive or logical if it feels irrational or impulsive I deny it if it feels irrational or impulsive I deny it it has to be logical. Another thing is this, I endure it. And this is what I mean. I endure it until it passes by putting it into a certain mental category. Like this, I evaluate my thoughts. And some thoughts I know come from a place of reason and wisdom and faith. But other thoughts that I have and other thoughts that you have come from a place of pain and jealousy and revenge and anger and mistrust and resentment and bitterness and low self-esteem and fragility and on and on. And in those times, understand that mental battles is when you start to make your choices and your opinions and your actions and your reactions on those types of thoughts, those thoughts that just make you sink low and then you get convinced that it's true. And in those times when those thoughts and feelings and impulses fill my mind, I simply tell myself, Tony, that's your struggle talking in your mind. That's not you. That's your struggle. That's your mental battle talking. That's not you. And I simply endure it until it passes and hold on to God one more day. The Apostle Paul speaks of a thorn in his flesh that he begged God to take away from him three times in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Each time God said this, no, my grace is sufficient. Most people don't know what his thorn in the flesh was, but I know what mine is. Sometimes out of nowhere, sadness just jumps on my back and I can't do anything about it. Sometimes out of nowhere, loneliness and depression and anguish just fills my mind and it jumps on my back and I can feel it physically and spiritually and it weighs me down like a load of heavy bricks on my shoulders and I don't know why. And like Paul, I have pleaded with God to take it away. I have pleaded with God to remove it and each time I can hear God say, trust in my grace, hold on one more day because in your weakness I am made strong and my grace is sufficient. For those of you that don't deal with battles like this in your mind, then maybe you don't understand. But there are many Christians that know the trials. They know the trials of this constant battle. Some Christians only know these occasional battles of sadness and depression and anxiety and fear and loneliness occasionally when something difficult happens to you. And that's normal. But sometimes you can love Jesus and at the same time you can deal with these feelings and these thoughts 
all the time because it is your illness. It is your struggle. It is your thorn. It is your battle. And you got to understand something. It presents a very unique struggle and very unique challenges. Charles Spurgeon said this about this subject and notice this today. The mind can descend far lower than the body for in it there's a bottomless pit. The flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more. But the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. Mental struggles is not a new battle. Mental battles is not a new struggle. And God's word can encourage us along this pathway. And so here's some final thoughts just to encourage you, just so we can introduce this topic. And over the next few weeks, we can dive into this deeper and deeper and deeper and in a more detailed way. But notice this today as we deal with these mental struggles, mental battles. Sometimes people call this mental illness, whatever it is. If this is something that you deal with or if you have someone else in your life that deals with it, here's some ways that we can deal with it in ways that's practical, real life and spiritual. Notice this you are not alone God's people suffer sometimes God's people suffer mentally emotionally physically we've suffered since the fall in the beginning even Jesus Christ as he's dying on the cross cried out to the father my God my God why have you left me my God my God why have you bailed on me my God my God why have you forsaken me have you ever felt that way have you ever wanted to ask God why have you left me have you ever wanted to shake your fist at the sky and say God you're gone you've bailed on me you're a million miles away why have you left me Jesus Christ prayed that same thing so you got to understand that when we suffer we're not alone what's more one in five people in this world all deal with mental struggles and mental battles you're certainly not alone and also in your church in your congregation in the gathering where you worship you are not alone speak about it speak up normalize it there are many people around you that are just waiting to hear it from someone else so they can have the courage to share their story too and the more we share our stories the more we can help each other instead of condemning each other the next thing is this and notice this it's not your fault tough mental Mental battles and illnesses is not punishment for your sins or the sins of your parents or the sins of your family. Mental struggles may not be my fault, but it's always an opportunity to depend on Christ and to hold on one more day to God. The next thing is this. God sees you and God is with you. You have a personal Savior in Jesus Christ who is your high priest and he has suffered in every single area that you've suffered in yet without sin. He knows you. He loves you. He understands. If you've ever wanted to ask God why, if you've ever felt like God has just bailed on you, so has Jesus. When you hurt, he hurts. When, you, uh, when you're in pain, he sees you. When you feel lonely, he pulls his chair right up next to yours at your table. He wraps his arms around you and he loves you. He is with you. And last is this, God's word speaks to you. The Bible is not afraid to talk about these mental and emotional struggles and these mental and emotional battles and this is one of my favorite favorite encouragements from the scripture when dealing with the exhaustion of these mental struggles and mental battles and I'll leave you with this with the encouraging words of Jesus Christ so we can hold on for one more day notice this today Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30 Jesus says come to me you're invited all of you who are weary 
tired, exhausted, if you carry heavy burdens, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. Hold on today. You're not alone. God sees you. We see you. God sees us. We see each other. Let's be there for each other and let's help each other with encouragement, love, and faith. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in and stay tuned in for an amazing time of worship with the Amazing Water's Edge Band. We absolutely love you. We cannot wait to see you back next week.